Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy Jr. I'm here as always with Coach Brian Barnes, head coach of Bishop Foley Catholic High School. And today is episode three. And we are very excited to welcome Jared Purcell, local sports reporter from M Live. Jared has been on the scene for long, long time. Um about make me sound that old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. yeah. He, he remembers back in 1952 when <laughs> no. but uh uh coach Barnes, it's great to see you. Jared, welcome to the show. Welcome to inside the coach's office. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, I think it's cool what you guys are doing, and uh hopefully I get my name on like a wall of fame once you guys make it big <laughs> here. So yeah. Episode three, I was telling Jared before the show, uh, episode two was uh, Coach uh, Corey Parker from River Rouge, and we had a really fun time. So you got you got some big shoes to fill, man. So hopefully you got your game face on. You know, I, I've had plenty of conversations with Coach Parker, too, and, uh, you know, he's a great guy to have. So you guys really hit a home run with that one. So Nice. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Coach Barnes and I agree on that one with you. Uh, Coach Barnes, the hot topic that we're going to talk about today is the the coach media dynamic on the high school level. And so my first question, I'm going to start with with you, Coach Barnes, when after a game and a reporter comes up to you, whether it's a a high impact win or a really, really tough loss, do you find yourself being the same even keel or does your dynamic change a bit depending on like if you're, if you're happy or or mad? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, uh, let me also reiterate, I'm excited to have Jared here. I mean, we're week three already, like this is like, we're killing it. I mean, it's the middle of winter time. It's, it's, you know, snowing a lot today and it's the middle of basketball season, which I I like basketball, but like, it's really cool to be talking football again. So uh, we're doing some good things. So keep it up. Um, Yeah. You know, when I was younger, uh, I I took a different approach because I, um, you know, I see sometimes how the media, is portrayed or I see how some of the more abrasive guys that uh, are loud and have their stick, especially on the radio, um, you know, and, and guys and the way they treat coaches. And, and when I was younger, um, not that I, I didn't have a respect for, you know, the guys covering our games and stuff, but, but I definitely looked at them a little differently than they do now. And I'm actually very, as I get older, very appreciative uh, what, what, you know, some of the, um, you know, men and women in the field do for our, um, the great game of football uh, in Michigan. Uh, very appreciative of that. And so, you know, I, I've obviously coached, um, you know, in big games and won, and I've coached in big games and lost. And um, we, we've been blown out before, you know, and, we, and we've won close games. So I've experienced it all. And so, you know, I, I try to treat them with respect um, with what they're doing and in, in, in their profession and definitely try to keep an even keel. And, um, you know, like I said, I've never had a moment where I, I've been abrasive or, or I felt anybody's asked me something inappropriate or disrespectful uh, to me or my program and the, and the kids. And so, um, you know, I try to try to answer it as honestly as I can, you know, because I know those guys and gals, you know, they don't want just coach speak, you know, um, more or less, you know, I, I try to be as honest and transparent as I can with what happened. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell them the great things we did. And I tell them the things we didn't do so well and that we had to work on it. So um, for the most part of my experience, like I said, um, guys like Jared and others have been, has been really cool to me and what we've done. 
Yeah, and Jared, so how do you approach um, that situation? Because um, you're you're there to do a job, and however the game goes, you got to get those quotes, you got to get the story, and you got to do it in a timely fashion. So, how do you do? You approach the, um, the coaches you got to talk to differently if it's a win or a loss, or do you always go? into it no matter what happened or do you got to change your your style dependent on the situation yeah i mean i i think as the game goes along you know we're formulating in our head what uh you know we think our lead or our angle is going to be but that has also changed throughout the game i mean there's been like ridiculous comebacks where we're just like totally like erasing everything we had in mind but when it comes to approaching coaches i mean it's just uh, at first, when I first started in this business, I did not know like how any of the coaches were going to react. So uh, you just had to go in pretty straightforward, not beat around the bush, and then um, you know just let them answer in the way that they wanted to. Uh, as you get to know the coaches more, like I have had um, you know over the course of what twelve years now, uh, you know you start to understand who can handle the losses better. You know who's better to talk to after a win and stuff like that um you know who you can joke around with um it's just when people lose though that's the thing where you have to be careful at because at other levels like pro and college i mean that comes with the job as a coach you're going to get criticism like crazy but um you know at the end of the day these coaches a lot of them you know are teachers they work with these kids um you know they put in just as much work as they can as the kids do um, so I, I understand if like coaches aren't even keeled and they're disappointed, um, they're not necessarily rude, but I mean, you just have to be a little more sensitive. I think about going into it in terms of how you're going to ask the questions. Um, you know, you can't just be going in like, Hey coach, Hey, let's joke around or anything like that. But, um, yeah, you just want to be as straightforward as possible, uh, and kind of formulate ahead of time, how you're going to approach it. Uh, I mean, cause especially with football games and it, as further you go into the playoffs, you want to get the perspective of both coaches. I mean, there's sometimes earlier in the season where a coach just like bolts because they got to get on the bus or something. And it's like, okay, I can deal with that. But when you have to talk to someone after a double overtime loss in like the, you know, state semifinals, that's going to be tough. And when you're talking to people, you know, there's people coming up onto the podium at the state championships and they're crying, you know, um, you know, you just got to be straightforward with them. And if, if you're straightforward and they can see that, um, you know, you're not trying to take a dig at them, you know, they'll be honest with you. I mean, whatever they're feeling and however they answer it is up to them, but you know, you just got to be as direct as possible. Yeah. So Jared, that's a great point when you're dealing with them, like, like somebody that's going through a loss and then it's an immediate response. So whether it be a coach or, or a player, that's got to be very difficult because they're on such an emotional high at that point, especially like, like you said, you lose a double overtime loss in, in the, in the semifinals, you got to talk to them within what, 10, 15 minutes. They're still processing those emotions mm-hmm. with the, with the head coach is one thing. Have you had experiences where you've talked to players that have dealt with like tough losses like that and then like and how how do you approach talking to to a high school player who's still trying to process his emotions yeah that's that's probably the toughest part yeah that's probably the toughest part about an interview process when you're talking to someone after a loss who's an athlete because you know at the end of the day these are still uh, teenagers you know and 
this is not something they get paid for. This is their outlet. They put their heart into it. You know, they, they care about it very deeply without, you know, much fanfare. And when they get to such a far point of the season and they lose or something like that, um, you know, you, you just got to know when to put on the brakes. I mean, you, you ask a question and if the kid is obviously like, you know, either choked up, gives a one word answer, um, maybe you can ask them to, you know, reiterate it. And if it's still not up to par, you just move on. Cause I mean, you got, you got to try and find someone else because you don't want to keep digging into someone who is, who is obviously not in an interview mode because that's not going to help you out either. So. Yeah. And then coach, um, what do you do? Like, as far as letting your, your kids, especially probably your seniors, you know, they're, how do you say, like, they're still kids, but they're adult. They might be 18. So they're considered, you know, socially adults. Um, do you let those kids talk to reporters or, and then have that moment or do you just shield them? No, I, definitely not. I mean, that's part of growing up right is um you know being getting interviewed and doing things that are uncomfortable um if it is after a loss for example but uh even after a win and i i let our guys know you know we have conversations about like what's appropriate and 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 how we handle ourselves whether it be you know a, a story um during the week or uh, after a, a football game so we make sure we're we're as respectful as we can be to the you know to the reporters um because again we're appreciative for what they do and also give credit and respect to our opponent um and the officials um you know we really make sure that our guys are respectful and handle themselves the right way yeah jared how do you go? Because uh, there are some good instances of high school kids who have great stories. And I know M Live and, you know, any uh, media outlet is always looking for a great human interest story, you know, tied to sports. How do you go about seeking out high school players who have unique stories that you want to you want to feature? Yeah. And sometimes, uh, you know, you just get tipped off by people like they'll email you out of the blue and say, hey, I know about this kid, you know, his like father is battling this illness or he overcame this disease when he was younger or, you know, all these different things that people uh, come after you with because, uh, you know, and sometimes they just fall into your lap. You'll, you'll talk to a kid after a game and you suddenly find out something about him that, you know, no one else knows. Um, it's uh, always kind of like how you want to frame a story. Uh, you, you want to like a really good uh, human interest side if you can do it because, you know, these, it's always fun to tell a story about a kid who might not have, you know, the spotlight on them all the time. Uh, this was years back when I was, I think at Woodhaven high school and they just had a big win and I did a story. Um, I don't even remember his name now, but uh, I did a story on this kid who had a really big play in the game and it ended up being a difference. And I interviewed the kid, talked to him about it. You know, he talked about all the work he put in to get to that point. And then, you know, I got a, an email the next day from like his aunt saying she was like in tears reading the story because, you know, this kid has had such a great, uh, put so much effort into it and things like that. Um, you know, the, the approach for, you know, finding stories is just, you got to go out and find them yourself if people aren't giving them to you. But luckily we get tips sometimes or coaches will say, Hey, um, you know, if you can't do it today, you know, think about down the line doing a story about this kid. Um, but I, I've been able to tell some, you know, pretty great and memorable stories over the years, you know, for all sports. Um, you know, Jared, is there, is there a favorite of you? Like, do you have a favorite story that stands out to you that you've done over the years? For sure. 
Um, I, I'm pretty biased because I'm also a cross country coach and a track coach. Um, so I kind of get really emotionally invested when I do stories on those kids. And um, wow, it's almost five years ago. Uh, there was a runner at Detroit UD Jesuit named Sean English. And uh, this was news all over the place. Um, he got into, uh, he was part of a car accident, I should say. His family was on the side of the road uh, trying to be like the Good Samaritans. They saw an accident, they got out to help. And then another car came into the scene and he lost uh, one of his legs in that accident. And he was the best uh, runner at their school at the time. His dad was a collegiate runner. Uh, he was well on his way to doing so. He was Catholic League champion as a sophomore in the two mile or mile, I think it was the mile. And um, he basically had it all taken away from him. And so I, uh, I was able to get in touch with him through my connections, through, you know, being a coach in cross country. And, uh, you know, he eventually made his uh, recovery, got a prosthetic, um, got a, a racing prosthetic too, you know, like one of those blades that the kids use. And I got to be there for his first race, uh, which was also his last race of his high school career. He just wanted to do one more race before he graduated as a senior. Um, he ran the 400, which was one lap around the track. And um, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen because no one cared about who won that race. They're all cheering for the kid in last place. You know, like people were running across the field to cheer him on in the backstretch. People were, ran across and like everyone was giving him standing ovation. Um, it was super emotional. And I got to know him and his family really well through that. Um, I'm actually wearing his bracelet right now, um, the Sean Strong bracelets. Uh, and his, his mom gave me like a whole bag of those after I did the story. <laughs> so I've just been wearing them on and off since. And I mean, people say, you know, as journalists, you don't want to get like too attached to things. But, um, you know, when you're talking about kids and them overcoming things that you as an adult would probably struggle with, um, you know, it's hard not to get emotional about it, you know. Um, even when interviewing his parents and his family, we had to take breaks just because things got emotional and things like that. So um, it's actually good to uh, really feel human when you're writing a story and talk about human things instead of just, you know, typing like, here's the final score of tonight's game. And this guy scored this many points. And, you know, this person had this many assists. Um, when you can really get into the nitty gritty of things and, you know, tell someone's backstory, it becomes way more than the sport, even though the sport is where it blossomed from, you know? I'm glad you said that, you said that about, um, you, you know, getting to know the background of an athlete, because I think a lot of times, unfortunately, it happens all the time in the NFL and college, and it's unfortunately now trickled down to high school a little bit. I think at times fans, especially when they're looking out at a player in whatever sport, you know, they just look at the number. Right. And they look at the number of the kid and if the kid screwed up, you know, how it's impacting like them and their feeling. Right. So I always I always, you know, I kind of joke, but, you know, there's people on every Saturday watching a college football game in the state of Michigan, whether it be Michigan, Michigan State, whoever. And if a 19 year old kicker that happens to wear number one, you know, misses a field goal and they lose the game, their their weekend is ruined. You know, all that number one. Right. And they don't you know, I think at times as fans don't always put the human being you know, mm -hmm. into the, into the story like that. Right. And unfortunately you get a, I think you get a jaded perspective of things. So uh, that's a great point. You know, when you, when you get that human interest, you know, part of it, um, it just adds more meaning to everything. Yeah, I know. Cause I feel like sometimes, especially with uh, you know, social media these days, things can be very surface level for a lot of people. And that's what a lot of the teenagers and kids see. It's very surface level, very passive. You know, you can see a tweet, you can see a highlight, 
that's all you need to know. And that's not really, you know, the whole story there. I mean, it's, it's kind of hardwired into some people that way. So, and you kind of see a little more, I guess, haters now online for high school kids, which is ridiculous. Um, but there's always more to the story in the background too. So um, obviously people try and also take advantage of that system as well, but that's a whole nother thing. So <laughs> absolutely. Coach Barnes. So speaking on that human interest level, obviously as a high school coach, you're and a, a teacher at the school. Um, you really get involved with these kids. How do you separate your job as a high school coach and trying to be a mentor to the to the kid like because you got to win games you know because if you lose a lot you might not have a job you know so you got to win games but you also got to mentor the kids how do you separate that balance so I think one of my greatest strengths is also one of my greatest faults you know it's like you said I'm I'm accessible um, and and I do care to the point where I feel like I'm treating my players like my own sons. Um, I have three daughters um, under the age of 15. And so I don't get that father son relationship. And so I look at all my players in a way as like my sons. And so um, sometimes it's, it's almost to my detriment um, that I might let something slide because I care about a kid so much, or maybe I don't see something um, that's going on and I get burned by it later, but I can't imagine coaching any other way. You know, I, I am heavily invested in my kids. I'm heavily invested in my school, um, you know, with a lot of the stuff that we do. And I don't just care about the football kids. I care about, you know, all the kids that I, I come across every day. And you're right. There is a balance there. Um, but ultimately, I look at it like this for high school football. So when I was younger as a coach, I focused strictly on the end, meaning I focused on the scoreboard. And I always told our guys, like, you know, you know, it's a big game. You know, this is a, this is a game we have to win. This season was the best year in our school's history uh, with the first prep bowl championship in school's history. And if you ask any of my kids, we, we never talk about winning championships. You know, we never talk about stuff like that. We talk about being a champion and what that means, you know, how you carry yourself in school, how you carry yourself when you're treating others, how you carry yourself uh, at home with your family, how you carry yourself on the practice field and things of that nature. And so, me, you know, if I'm strictly only being judged on wins and losses, then then I'm not at the right place because um, it's more than that to me. It's about our growth mentality uh, and, and what we're doing. I want our kids to get better from the first day of practice till their very last day of practice of high school football. Um, and not just that football, I want them to get better uh, academically. I want them to get better as a human being um, and finally as a football player. And so ultimately, I think I'm judged on and I think all high school coaches should be judged on you know, this, the state of their program, right? So are kids excited to come to practice every day? Um, are you getting new kids to come out every year because of all the cool things that you're doing, things of that nature? If you focus on that stuff, and that's, in my opinion, what, you know, is, is proper, um, good things ultimately happen at the end. And you, you might not see it right away. You know, uh, when I first got there, we talked about, uh, you know, the analogy of watering the bamboo, right? If you constantly water a bamboo, you might not see growth for quite a long time, but as long as you keep doing it, it's going to shoot up. Right. And so we focus on that and, and the results worked out for us. Yeah. Jared, have you ever been in a situation where you got a tip on, on a negative situation about a high school kid and you had to decide, do you put this negative 
story out because you're a reporter and that's what you do. You report the news, but having this information get out might hurt this kid. And what does M Live say about what does your boss say about something like that? How to how to how to treat a situation like that? Yeah, well, in most cases, I mean, you're dealing with minors, so it's even you know more sensitive. You can't really put their name out there because, um, you know, unless they're actually being charged with something. Um, but I mean, it, it, there's so many different situations that on the spectrum of what a negative thing means, because, you know, I've had to cover everything from like, you know, eligibility issues where, you know, kids tried to, you know, beat the system in terms of like the transfer rules and stuff like that. And they got caught on it. Um, and then there's things like hazing, which is a very, very tough and sensitive uh, subject to cover. And, um, you know, it's just, you have to really, really have to know how far along things are, um, how public is this knowledge, um, because you can also report that, you know, individuals within a program have been, you know, not charged, but are being investigated for like hazing or something like that. But you can't start naming people right off the bat because you have to wait for something to be legitimized by the proper investigators or authorities or something like that. And even with, um, you know, those uh, transfer things, because that stuff gets looked into by the MHSA when it's brought to them. Um, they don't actually actively go and look for that stuff. So you also have to make sure that, you know, things are on par with all the proper authorities before you want to start naming kids, because, um, you know, it's just not the right thing to do. I mean, it's even hard. Like, you guys remember, like, the J. Rue Campbell stuff. Um, yeah. It was probably almost 10 years ago now. Um, you know, with that, I mean, that was already, everything was on social media and like everybody already knew about it. So, um, you know, obviously you can use his name right off the bat because everyone can see it happening. Um, it's already public knowledge and things like that. But it, let's say a team's being investigated for hazing um, and then there's people like emailing you saying, oh, I think I know who one of the kids is that's involved in it. Um you know, you got to corroborate that with authorities, you know, you can't just take someone's word for it on that kind of stuff. So it's, it's very all over the place. And you just have to be, you know, investigating the authorities as much as you're investigating the situation, because um, it's still up to you to get that information from authorities as well. So, so that's, that's curious, because, you know, my follow up to that would be, you know, in, in the professional covering high school athletics, you know, the whole, is it, is it better to be first with the story or is it better to be correct with the story kind of thing? Right. So that kind of adds to, you know, what you're saying, I think like you, you, you're saying kind of like, you got to make sure that you're correct on everything. Um, you know, especially when dealing with a minor, um, you know, before more, that's more important than like quote unquote being first out there. Yeah, I know. I mean, in these days where everything's like the deadline is, ASAP always now there's there's never like oh get it ready by this time for the newspaper it's like when you have a story you have it okay so get it up as soon as possible but you know for for certain situations like that I mean we do have protocols set up where you know someone has to look into it first like let me see what you have information wise can we run with this you know if someone does beat us to it maybe they got the information we were trying to get I can live with that but I'm not going to run something unless I have the information so yeah because that's great man and then Brian, that's exactly what I was going to ask, man. In this day and age, when when everybody's a reporter now, you know, it's like everybody, like you got between TikTok and Snapchat and Facebook and you know whatever social media you want, everything is right there immediately. So as a reporter, 
and you see it so often, man, between not just grammatical errors, because you know they're typing, you know, 30 miles an hour, you know, it's, it's uh, getting it out first is so important, but you can't be wrong. And it like, you know, so you got, you want to be first, but you can't be wrong. And when you're dealing with, you know, even with dealing with minors, because a lot of times you, you can't even say a minor's name when they're, when they're, unless, until it's public record, right? Like, you got to be very careful with that. You guys, you can get sued for, for certain things. And then he, he, even if they are adults, you could still, you know, one wrong quote, one, like one, one miscue, you know, that, that's liable or, you know, all that. And so I get, I, I imagine Jerry, that's a very touchy road for you. Have you, is there a specific, I know you said the J. Rule Campbell, but is there a real, you probably had a few where you had to be like, okay, I, I, I got a whole bag in here and make, make sure. Uh, is there every time when you really knew you had something and you wanted to run it, but your maybe your editor was like, no, maybe we should hold back. Uh, well, during that whole, uh, you know, De La Salle hazing incident just a couple of years ago, um, there was a lot of information that was coming across from that. Some of it was partially true. Um, and, you know, these partial truths are never really a good thing to you know, run on. And, you know, there were times where it was tough to get in touch with the authorities, um, you know, the police departments and all that stuff, um, lawyers and things like that. But, um, you know, as, as much as I want to get that information and when I do get it, I'll run it. Uh, if I don't have it, I, I just don't feel comfortable um, going with it unless I know it's 100% verified, you know, because, you um, Otherwise, I mean, it's just kind of like a rumor mill type thing that you're running. And I know those things can do well too, but um, you don't want to do like an opinion type piece like that for, for something serious. So, um, you know, you, ju you just got to understand the situation and make sure you're verifying. I mean, that's, that's the best way I can put it. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, these days with social media and everyone having uh, a portable video camera with them at all times, um, everyone's a reporter, but I mean, not to kind of like say, I'm tooting my own horn here, like the industry. Uh, not everyone's a journalist, though. You know, yeah. everyone can be a reporter, but not everyone's a journalist. And there's yeah. a certain type of integrity. And I know, especially these days, like, you know, last five years or so, um, a lot of people have turned on journalists. They've gotten bad raps for things. Um, and there are, there are people who do it wrong and, you know, give the industry a black eye. But at the same time, you know, like 99% of the people out there are trying to do it right. And you know, we've been trained in this business. We went to school for this. We've been mentored in this business. Um, we've learned from other colleagues in this business on how to approach these situations. Um, we're just not, you know, putting things out there for likes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, everyone can be a reporter, but do they have the journalistic integrity to, you know, make the right decisions in certain places? I don't think so. Um, so it, it does make it tough too, because, you know, there could be people out there that are tweeting something that contradicts what you have but they're false. And, you know, it's like, well, I verified this. So, I mean, unless this person was lying to me, which who knows they might be, um, this is what I have right now. Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a crazy world we live in with, in terms of how information gets out there. So we're responsible for being as careful as we can be with it. So yeah. do you ever, uh, you brought up the integrity thing and do you ever worry about, uh, you know, integrity and credibility in covering high school sports. And the reason I ask is like, so I like think about every year, Hey, Jim Harbaugh to 
you know, fill in the blank NFL team. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think back to the Les Miles situation, you know, when he was going to leave LSU and go to Michigan and Kirk Herbstreit was so certain that that was going to happen. Right. Like in my mind, like when I hear those stories or when I see that stuff tweeted out, I mean, I probably think everybody now is like, all right, like we're going to wait till we see it, you know, like, but at what point is it like, you know, um, you, you don't buy into what those guys are saying anymore and they're crying wolf, so to speak. Like, do you ever, you know, cover in high school sports or, or do any of your colleagues kind of, you know, I don't want to say that they've lost credibility or whatnot, but is that a concern that you have, you know, um, yeah, going I don't understand what you're what talking you're... about with like, you know, the speculative stuff that people put out there and in a way, I think, Twitter was kind of made for that kind of stuff. I mean, Twitter, even if you are a journalist, it's still a place for personal opinion or thoughts or just to, you know, put out what information you have. Um, but if you're actually publishing it under your name officially and stuff like that, I think that's a little different. So I think, um, you know, people expect you, you to be the same when you're publishing your stories as you are when you're tweeting and stuff, which is why all the time you see these things now, like, you know, retweets aren't endorsements and stuff like that. I mean, I, I feel like there, there should be a place where people should be able to, you know, see what's out there in the rumor mill or just say, this is what I'm hearing because then you can actually find some maybe different leads when people respond to that stuff. But um, you don't really see that much with high school sports. I don't think um, with high school sports, it's, it's pretty easy to, kind of know what's you know what's what i mean it's it's not like a cottage industry like college and the nfl are people are usually pretty straightforward with you i mean if if someone is a little uh less forthcoming than they usually are you might think something's up and you have to ask around but um i try not to get caught up in like the the rumor mill stuff with high school athletes because that's just silly in my opinion i know like stuff gets crazy now with you know, every kid has to announce their top 15 or top 20 yeah. or whatever they oh, are. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, that's what I want to touch on for sure. Jerry. And, and people yeah. want to speculate on where they're going and stuff like that. And no. you know, I'll, I'll talk to kids about that stuff. I was like, do you, do you guys have a favorite school right now? Or just, or tell me what you think about the in-state schools. Um, and so if I publish a story who, on a kid who has like, you know, five schools left in Michigan and Michigan state are two of the schools, they'll give me their opinion on it. And then I'll publish a story and they're like, well, what about the other schools? And I was like, well, I was only interested in what they thought about those schools for this story. And, you know, um, you know, people will start calling you uh, biased and other things like that because of it. But it's like, I, I also work in Michigan and like, no one cares if, what they think about like, you know, Iowa, except for people. <laughs> so, I mean, people are Iowa fans. do they want to come yeah. to Michigan or Michigan state? So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't Jerry, know if I answered okay, your question so, there. I kind of went on a tangent, so. <laughs> it's cool. No, I like it. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, like with that though, like, cause there are, I mean, the high school level, there can be some stars for sure. Yeah, I think of like uh, in football, Donovan Edwards or in basketball and Amani Bates, you know, Amani Bates was a star since like eighth grade or something. Mm -hmm. You don't go all the way back to Chris Weber or something. Uh, how do you handle a kid like that? Like where, like he's a bona fide superstar at the age of 15. Do, do you, um, have you had any instances where you um, talk to a, a kid like that? And then like, how, how do you approach something like that where the whole country is talking about a kid? Like, like Amani Bates was, they were calling him the next LeBron and all that, you know, the number yep. one high, high school player in, in the country, like as a sophomore, how, how do you approach a situation like that? I, I didn't actually report on Imani Bates directly because he was uh, in our Ann Arbor coverage area, but I saw him play a few times, but a few years before that, you guys might know the name of Josh Jackson. He's a guy on the Pistons. Oh, right yeah. now. 
Um, he was at Detroit Consortium and, you know, at the time he was the number one recruit in the nation. And he was, he was the biggest recruit, um, that I think MLI have covered in the last decade, aside from Amani Bates in the sport of basketball. And I was at his games all the time. I was always trying to talk to him and this, he was on, um, you know, basically a gag order from his, his mother. He wouldn't talk to the media. Um, we could talk to the coach and, all these rumors started going around about him transferring to a prep school. Uh, I, I remember I was in East Lansing. I was sleeping on a, um, a blow-up bed in one of my friend's apartments because I was there for the, um, the state championships in basketball for girls. And I got a call the morning I was getting ready um, from Josh Jackson's mom. And she's going off on me about saying, why did you guys publish the story about him going to a, uh, a prep school that's never going to happen. We didn't say anything like that because one of our other reporters uh, who was on our Detroit team at the time said he wanted to go after it. And I was like, okay, you got my blessing. Good luck with that. And he ended up talking to various sources, but he could never talk to Josh. And all of them said he was leaving. His mom said he, he wasn't. And of course he left after that season. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I had to, it, it's a really weird thing to have these kids who are still like, 16 years old I think what was he 15 he was probably 16 at the time and like the whole country is just wondering what this kid is doing and then he's not saying anything it's just like wow this is kind of ridiculous <laughs> because it's like I'm trying to uh, I'm like right in his backyard and I'm trying to get information from him so um, I was lucky enough though to uh, kind of smooth things out with his mom and stuff like that um, we got on the same page and she was actually uh, gave me permission to interview him after the championship, which was nice. Um, Cause he never went to the post game interviews after games, even after the semifinals, when they won at the Breslin center, he didn't go. And then after they won the championship, he came up to the podium and um, they let me ask like the first three questions, which I thought was pretty cool. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a trip because uh, you're not used to dealing with like celebrity personalities at a, a teenage level, but uh, with now this name, image, and likeness stuff, uh, kids are going to be grooming themselves a lot for this moving forward. So I think we're going to see a lot more of like these kids promoting themselves on social media. Um, you're already seeing like, I saw a tweet from a middle school kid who was tweeting his GPA, his points per game. I'm like, dude, you're middle school. Enjoy the process a little, you know? <laughs> but, hey, I, I yeah, think just... LeBron's kid got, a, uh, got an offer when he was two years old or something from Coach... <laughs> Yeah. 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 I think it was two when he got that. So, so it's all out there. He grows Coach up to Barnes, be five, five. No. <laughs> Coach Barnes, how do you deal with your kids and in, in their interaction with social media? Because you're not going to stop them. They're going to be online. And, you know, uh, what do you tell these kids? Hey, just don't do nothing stupid or like, yeah. I mean, you know, Bobby Bowden, um, had a, you know, one of his rules was just don't embarrass the university. Right. And so, so when I talk to our guys, I just, I just tell them, you know, you know, similar thing, like, you know, everything we, that we want, the way we want people talking about our program is all positive and not just our program, our school, you know, we talk about all the people that they represent, right. You know, the alums and, and the staff at the school and, you know, the rest of the student body. And so the biggest thing is just don't embarrass the university or excuse me, don't embarrass the school and the football program. You know, and if there's something you if you have to question anything about putting it out there, then don't put it out there. Um, make sure everything is positive about about yourself and go from there. I, you know, I, I'm not like I'm not a big 
believer in like a, I'm not a big rule guy. What I mean by that is like, we don't have a list of rules to say, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Like, like kids know right from wrong. Right. And I believe adults know right from wrong. Right. And then, and then some of them might need some reminders here and there, but it's basically like, you know, do the right thing. You know, we, you always want to talk about our team in, in a positive light and, and everything we do in a positive way. And we just leave it at that. Yeah. And Jared, there's a lot of, you see a lot of stuff, uh, maybe not necessarily with the athletes, but I'm sure there's a lot out there, but just like young kids doing dumb things on social media and then it's out there forever. Um, and it, you're in a unique position because we talked about before you are a high school coach, but you're also a professional reporter covering high school kids. Is there a balance that you have where if a kid does something stupid online, you have to report it. I mean, you pretty, and it has there been a situation where you've come across a, a kid makes a dumb tweet or even like somebody like a kid, he'll be 18, but he made a dumb tweet when he was like 14 and it gets dug up because you've seen a lot of that nowadays. Um, have you been in a situation where you had to decide to discuss a negative social media aspect for, for a high school athlete? I don't think I've actually really been in that position. I think it would have to take something really egregious for me to like go all TMZ on it because like social media is just chaos and um, people are going to say some stupid things from time to time, even from people you don't expect. But um, you know, I go to practices all the time to interview kids and, you know, I usually go at the beginning or the end. So I'm trying not to interrupt what's going on. And when I'm there at the end of practices, coaches are always telling kids, especially, you know, when it's like homecoming week or something, it's like, don't do anything stupid. All right. You guys know what right from wrong is. If you see someone who's doing something and they want you to do it, stop and think about it. All right. I mean, there's, um, you know, I've, I've coached kids in my own program that have gotten suspended for, you know, various ridiculous things that they've done. Um, nothing, not nothing social media wise, but you know, something that they, they brought like alcohol to a dance or something like that, or something stupid. Um, you know, and those things not only, um, stick with you. But like, if it's on social media, like you said, people can go back and dig that stuff up. And even if, even if that's not you anymore, I mean, I don't even realize any of the things I probably would have said on social media when I was like 14 years old, because, you know, we're young and we think we know everything. Um, and we think our, our opinion matters more than anybody else, even though we're just some 14 year old kid. But, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever had to really, uh, report on someone's tweet like that. Like, even if they, I mean, kids talk crap to their rivals all the time online. I, there was one I did report on, but it was just something kind of fun because, uh, you know, like the Lauren De La Salle, Brother Rice rivalry, you know, they call them the pumpkins because they're orange helmets or whatever. And so it's always around Halloween time. So they put like a jack-o'-lantern that says De La Salle or something in the middle of their football field, like the night before. And that gets on social media. Yeah, I'll report on that because it's funny. And it's just like, oh, look at this, you know, rivalry continues and stuff like that. But if they're saying like, oh, I'm going to totally posterize this guy or something like that. And then they get posterized themselves. I'm not going to like say something stupid about that. So, <laughs> Oh, that's good. Um, what do you love? Because you've been doing this for a long time. I'm sure you probably had other opportunities or you could have ventured out to other places. What is it about covering high school sports that, that you love? Well, I think it goes hand in hand with coaching. Because first and foremost, uh, if, if I could coach full-time, I would. Uh, high school coaches don't, don't get paid full-time salary, so always, we have to have another job on the side. Um, that's why most of them are usually teachers or, you know, like me, I'm a journalist. But, you know, I, I always loved 
uh, working with younger people. I learned that actually when I was in high school myself. And then being able to tell their stories on top of that is what makes it great. Because I mean, it's, it's not like you're gonna reach millions of people by talking about some kid from you know, Woodhaven or Madison Heights or wherever they're from, but uh, you're gonna make a difference in you know, not necessarily their lives, but uh, you're gonna make their day, their family's gonna really appreciate it, the community is gonna really appreciate it. Um, just to have someone's voice be heard in a special way and you can communicate that for them. That's, I think that's really special to be able to tell someone's story for them in a way that um, maybe they couldn't convey themselves. They just need someone to tell it for them. So I guess it's the way of putting it. I, that's what I love about uh, reporting on sports in general. Um, you know, it's fun to do that at a professional level. I mean, I feel like at the professional level, you get a whole, you get a lot more people who are into the uh, statistics and the analytics and the playmaking and the playbooks and all that stuff. Um, I've always, I've always liked being more of a storyteller. So, um, that's why high school sports is just as fine with me as it would be for professional sports. Uh, you can, you can tell as many stories as you want. And it's, it's great to do it for kids and young people to, um, also show an example to the other kids out there. Um, you know, kid from your, your own neighborhood did something great and you might be younger than them. It'll inspire you to do something great. So, uh, like the Sean English story, I mean, the kid lost a leg. And he went on to run a race after that. I mean, if you can inspire other people with your writing, that's what makes it worth it. So that's awesome. All right. Uh, Coach Barnes, I think we can uh, wrap this one up, man. And this is good stuff. Uh, do was, you got anything for Jerry? I do. I just wanted to tell him, you know, thanks for what you do for, you know, for all sports, uh, especially high school football. So this, you know, like I said, uh, you know, before, before we, uh, you know, hopped on the podcast, like we're, we're really embracing and, and want to talk about the great things in the state of Michigan when it comes to Michigan high school football. So if you could, you know, give me, give me some of the things that you, you love about covering um, high school football in the state of Michigan, you know, whether it be, you know, the coaches, if you want, but just, you know, you, you know, you talked about the kids and the great kids and just maybe some of the traditions and whatnot, like what, what is it about, you know, Michigan high school football that you, you love to cover. Who that covers Pretty loaded a question. variety yes, of sure, things. Sure <laughs> um, man. Well, since, since my main area is, you know, the Metro Detroit area, which is like for the coverage area that I have, it's probably like 90% Macomb County, 99% of Oakland County and like hundred percent of Wayne County. Um, there's about 160 some odd schools there. And I think the best part about covering high school football in this area um, is not just the great teams um, and the great athletes, but the tradition. I mean, there's just so much football goes way back in the Metro Detroit area of great teams. And then just being able to meet some of these coaches over the years, um, like, you know, Fracasa, Mac, all these, all these great guys who have um, already retired, but, you know, won tons of games. Um, Coach Harrington over at Harrison, who's now assistant at North Farmington, who's, by the way, like one of the nicest guys in the world. I don't know if you've ever talked with him before, but he's awesome. Yeah, great human uh, being. Yeah. And, um, you know, just being able to get to know the people and the history behind, uh, you know, the beat that I have is really cool. And also, I think the best thing for covering high school football, though, for me is just to see a kid that I covered on Saturday television or on Sunday television sometimes. It's just be like, man, I knew that kid when, and it's really great to see 
because I mean, a lot of these kids, um, you know, unfortunately, still from the Detroit area, there's a lot of rough neighborhoods. And, you know, that's their ticket out. And to see them be able to punch that ticket and fulfill their dream is really, really cool. And, you know, I probably played no role in that. But to be a part of that process and to report on that process um, is very cool. Because like, you know, when I see a guy like Donovan Peoples Jones, who I covered, you know, front and back when he was in high school, um, it's cool to see him go out there and, you know, have a big touchdown catch against Michigan State, get his first touchdown in the NFL. Um, that's probably my favorite part is just to be like, you know, these, these kids did it. And, and that's what it's all about at the end is these kids fulfilling their dreams. Um, you know, not everyone's going to make it there, but, you know, everyone's working toward that. So you got to be happy when someone, when someone does it. Sure. And I can, I can speak for a lot of coaches around Jared. We, we appreciate what you do. And, and I know the kids appreciate what you do as well. Do you, do you have a, um, like a Twitter handle or anything that you can share to our list with our listeners if they want to follow you on Twitter? And actually I'm going to tell them to follow you on Twitter because you're a great follow and you post some good stuff and you have some great articles out. Yeah. Uh, my, my Twitter is at Jared Purcell DET um, for Detroit. I know I'm wearing a Cubs hat, but you know, <laughs> I also root for the Tigers. They're in different leagues. Don't judge <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's so many great, um, writers that we have at MLive that cover prep sports all throughout Michigan. And that's what makes MLive great. In my opinion, is that we have reporters stationed in various areas. Sure. We don't get everywhere we would like to be like the UP and the upper lower peninsula, like Traverse city and stuff, but we have people in Bay city, Saginaw, Flint, Ann Arbor, Jackson, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, Muskegon, Metro Detroit. Um, so yeah we get a nice statewide voice from our team. Uh, they're all more experienced than I am, save a couple. Um, and, and they've, they've been doing it for a long time and they're really great at it. And I couldn't be happier to be a part of that team. So follow mlive.com, um, all of our different social media ham- handles. You can just do a, a simple mlive search on Twitter and it'll bring up our different pages. And then, yeah, just uh, look for our stories. That's awesome. Well, fellas. And subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Tom. So if, uh, you know, I want to announce to our listeners as well. We do have our, our, our Twitter pages up. Uh, it's simply at inside the office. Um, one word at inside the office and my Twitter handle is at coach Barnes two zero. Uh, I'm excited to get some, you know, to hype this up even more. Like you said, at the beginning of week three, um, we've had some awesome guests and Jared was awesome tonight and we got an awesome host. So I'm fired up for the, the next week. I am, man. We're yeah, we're gonna keep this stuff going, man. And Jerry, thank you so much. It was a great perspective from the media side. I was hoping you guys might get into it a bit, you know, maybe get mad at each other about something, maybe have an argument a bit. But the only you know. thing, the <laughs> only thing I would, and, and Jared's never done this, and I haven't had anybody do this yet. So it was funny. I thought about it watching the fantastic NFL games that we had this weekend, and I sat down. And I said to myself, as I'm on my couch, I'm like, wow, I questioned the Buccaneers blitzing late in the game, you know, and then the Rams hit Cooper cup over the top. But what's funny is I caught myself and I realized why you shouldn't do that because Bruce Arians in his follow-up press conference said, you know what, we didn't, somebody on the defense didn't get their correct call in and we weren't aligned correctly and stuff like that. And so my only issue I ever had with any media people, but it hasn't happened in high school football is sometimes those questions get asked and like, they wonder, well, why'd you call this? Well, there's always more to the story. Like you're saying, even in high school football, but no, no, we're good though. Jared and I are good. Definitely good. I I get close to asking questions like that. I mean, you just had a recent basketball game, like a kid filed out on the other team who was their big inside guy. And 
the, the opposing team had the lead. So everything was going in their way because the, their opponent lost their big man. And yet they started shooting threes. I'm like, coach, why'd you start shooting threes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's like, that wasn't the game plan. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, but like, as you said, right. You, you yeah. coach high school kids too. Like sometimes they're high school kids, right. They forget yeah. their locker combination. Yeah. You know, they forget their code to their lunch account and all that stuff. And then we wonder why would they do things like that in the game? But mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens. Man, watching too much Steph Curry, man. Everybody wants to pull up on the logo now. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's funny. That you, you opened a can of worms, though, man. Because we could talk about this NFL weekend. <laughs> oh my God! I know, Jared. You were posting on Facebook, man. Freaking awesome, man. Everybody else, man. This is the greatest weekend of football I've ever seen. I, I was talking to my dad on uh, uh, after the um, the Tampa Bay game, and I was like, man, I, I feel sorry for uh, Kansas City and. Buffalo having to live up to that game. <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. Oh my god. I can't gosh. believe it, man. Oh man. Oh. All right. Well, look, Jared, I hope you will come back uh maybe further down the line uh during the season. Um, uh, because I'm sure there's a lot we can talk about going forward. I we could talk, you know, for another hour right now, but um yeah, I was I here for episode so. three. I'll be here for 300, man. There you go. There you go. Maybe well, we'll do that. You could do you you could do 30, 130. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. We like yeah. it. All the 30s. <laughs> It'll be good times, man. With Jared again, Jared, uh sports reporter from uh local sports reporter with MLive.com. Uh, and for uh, head coach Brian Barnes with Bishop Foley Catholic High School, my name is Tom Murphy Jr. And we are done with episode three. Stay tuned for episode four. We don't know who the guest is yet, but we're going to find one. Actually, real quick, Jared, who are some coaches or maybe even uh, athletic directors, whoever, that in your experience you think we might should add to the podcast? Oh, man. Uh, well, one of the names that I just brought up, uh, John Harrington, fantastic guy. I mean, he, he's, he's one of those coaches that would let coaches from other teams come to his practices just to let them see what they were doing. Um, he could talk football all day. Um, he actually um, let me come over to his house for a story I was working on. I went in his basement and he showed me all of his, I mean, he has a shrine to football in his basement at his house. It's amazing. He has everything collected from over the years, the championships, the league championships, all that stuff. I'm sure he has tons of stories for you guys. Awesome. All right, Jerry. Thanks for that, man. And thanks for being on here. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Inside the Coach's Office. We will see you next week.